This is a reading of the journal I kept during the RCR UK trip. May 10th, 2017, Warwickshire, United Kingdom, or somewhere, I don't know. Everything has three names here. Even the cars. Okay, first thing. The smaller the car, the longer the name. I saw one vehicle that looked like a Ford Festiva, but it was French, and the name of the car was at least three syllables. I am alone at Tom's house. Tom is our fixer, guide, and the reason we're here. If it weren't for Tom and Kate and Dominic, RCR UK would be very different and probably more ragged. The weather is beautiful today, almost cloudless. I want to wander around town on my own while Roman and I wait for Tom to get back from a funeral around 2 p.m. I'm hungry as hell. I have to navigate my way to a store down the road. And why am I nervous? Just go in and buy something to eat. If nothing else, there's sure to be ramen noodles. It's not like they're going to kick you out. Oh, God, my voice. It's distinct enough stateside. But here. Oh, man. 1.26 p.m., back at Tom's house. Roman and I walked to the town center, the, and my notes just end here, I guess Tom finally came home. Oh, I have to turn past this stuff. That's notes on cars that we reviewed. Something, something. That's another one. Saturday, May 13th, 2017. We are finished with our principal filming for RCR UK, and that was the plan. Two marathon filming days. Get the bulk of the work done right away so it's over with. Every other RCR trip was non-stop work from beginning to end, but this trip will be different. We'll have plenty of time to be tourists. I'm sitting in Tom's sun deck and light rain falls on the glass roof. A tourist's book of California lays on a glass table along with a box of cards against humanity. Pete Townsend's Who Am I? and a Penguin Classics autobiography of Morrissey. A small black cat ne naps next to me on a chair. I've been so busy with RCR work since we arrived on Tuesday, it hasn't sunk in that I'm in a foreign country. But now it's Saturday, and I have nothing to do. Oh no, I'm purposeless. I have no function. Oh no. A week in the United Kingdom. I am in the way. I am a burden. I don't deserve this nice house and the gracious hosts. Quick, curl yourself up on the edge of this couch so you take up less room. Just drink tap water. Don't ask for juice. Step lightly down the hallway so you make as little noise as possible. 12.10 p.m. Arden's Cough Coffee Shop. Blueberry Bakewell. What is this? Do I eat it with my hands? Coffee strong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm so ready. For what? I'm ready. The children in this coffee shop sound like a PBS show. Every street is an alleyway. Background conversations. They're all nature documentaries about sub-Saharan Africa. Or maybe commercials for Murphy Jewelers. It's every conceivable temperature out there. It's hot and cold and sunny and overcast. 7.05 p.m. Posh-ish pub. I know it feels fancy, and I feel safe here. I'm safe at this copper table. No one's going to punch the accent out of my mouth. Tomorrow is the RCR car meet. I was very strict in the image invite on Twitter. No showing off. You are representing regular car reviews. As in, you know, no burnouts, no nothing. You're more this channel than I am. Do I have larger than normal thighs? Most other men I've seen here have slim legs. Do you even squat, bro? What is this place? The Queen's Takeaway? But no. No, it's called the Queen's Castle. It's, it's right across the street from... Uh, Kenilworth Castle. 
and I'm listening to background conversations, and they fall apart, and I can't understand them. Fantastic. I can have a conversation at the table and don't have to devote system resources to monitoring other parties. Young folks here are refreshingly free of tattoos. The walls of this poshy pub are uneven. No drywall in this country. Just paint over what looks like stucco. I go back to the bar to get a water and a beer. I am queuing. Extraordinary. Eh, this is taking too long. Roman and I go back to the table to wait till the line goes down. May 14th, 2.20 p.m. I'm eating at a pub. Uh, another pub. Lots of pubs around here. My throat is dry and hoarse from talking at the RCR meet. Hashtag Cove Crew. I hope I was entertaining to our RCR fans. I hope I was as entertaining as they expected me to be. The, this pub is built into a building from the 1200s. That means it predates Chaucer. It's called the Saxton Mill, and there's a water wheel going around here. Perry, an RCR fan who plays American football, said we should be the Cove crew, as in everybody who met for the RCR car meet. It was sunny, rainy, hot, freezing, and cloudy, and blinding. How is, how is the weather here all weather, all at once? I told people this, and they laughed, and they said, Welcome to the UK. Tom said, We've been eating in rather nice places so far. He told me real British food is like, uh, he said it's like someone's first attempt at everything. We're leaving Saxton Mill parking lot. Entering and leaving parking lots is always a fiasco here. Now it's sometime after dinner. Back at Tom, Tom's house, food coma plus intense social interaction left me drained. I napped with my jeans on and dreamed I was back in Pennsylvania, but the internet was still UK internet, which is really fast. But still blocking certain music YouTube videos. And then I drove the Valgavon Falcon down a steep hill in the snow, and then I woke up. I don't speak outdoors much here, uh, unless I have to, and when I speak to a bartender or waitstaff, I double down with my region-free radio broadcast voice. It has less twang than my everyday voice. When I pay for things, most clerks have to fumble for pens for me to sign the receipt. Only recently have United States banks adopted chips and credit cards. The UK, they're well beyond chips. They're, they have this thing where you pay by touching the card just to the point of sale machine. It's just you just tap it and then it's paid and then it's done. Maybe the United States will get that in 10 years. I'm still not used to not tipping. Tom is watching television in the other room. UK commercials sound like cartoons about British people. I can only hear the voices, and they range from posh to cockney to that shouty sillet bang guy. The TV isn't the super stuffy tweed pipe stuff that we get back home on PBS. But then again, you can see the original X Factor online. Man, the UK loves panel shows. Cats are the same everywhere. They have, they have a cat flap, but they would rather you open the door. Monday, May 15th. No, that's not what I wrote. I wrote Monday, 15th of May, 2017. Huh. I wrote it the other way around. My hands are unusually dry, but the climate is so wet, I wonder if the soap is different. Mornings are slow to rise. I like that. The only food thing I am missing is a bowl of cereal in the morning, but that will make cereal more delicious when I get back home. I'm eating a cheese and tomato sandwich for breakfast. I bought this sandwich at a gas station two days ago. 7 p.m. Rain scheduled for the rest of the week. Just POV drives from here on out. I'm still hiding my voice, keeping it low. I'm still a yank. I'm still an intruder. Red brick houses here in this town. The whole town. Red brick walls. Red, red, red brick. 
red retaining walls, and cum trees. I'm not sure if this fireplace in Tom's house is real. Well, never mind. I looked. It's real. Just gas. Ford KAs are 150 pounds used. Why are they so cheap? Why consistently cheap? Expensive insurance, cheap cars. In the United States, it's the other way around. I'm not eating as much as I do back home. Maybe I just eat too much back home. UK, USA. Same, but different. Just people are programmed different. Different natural resources. Time for curry. Curry takeaway and the last of the beer that our fans gave us. Kate got extra toilet paper for me. Tuesday, 16th of May, Stratford-upon-Avon, Avon, oh man, it's Stratford. The, it's an American tourist honeypot. I'm really sure to keep my voice low here. These buildings are white with black X's all over them. And there's copper pots and shop windows, an abstract art of the Queen. A red brick storefront says, British Heart Foundation. I expected the shop would sell medical. I expected the shop would be a medical supply store. No, it sells hats. Tom says the white and black history book-looking houses are made of dung, wattle and clob. All your high school literature is written in an environment of shit. Low-er ceilings in this gastropub in Stratford. A patron at an unseen table asks about the new French president. And it's raining again. Only the older women use umbrellas. That's the thing. I, I, I don't see young men using umbrellas. Old men wear hooded windbreakers. Men in their 30s wear sweaters in the rain. No hats or umbrellas. And schoolboys ride bicycles with shirts partially unbuttoned in the rain. Also, no hats. A bookstore says Oxfam, and a subtitle on the storefront reads, Grows Vegetables Fills Classrooms. The store subtitle says more, but a parking no-no sign blocks my view. A tall blue and white Ford Transit van pulled up. It says, Initia, the experts in hygiene. Circular urinals, circular pad of butter. Canvas shoes are more popular here than in the U.S. Rust Belt. There's a wobbly mirror and a wobbly table, and I see wobbly dogs and wobbly houses. Stratford upon wobbly. Stratford. Okay, you know what Stratford is? It's Colonial Williamsburg. That's what, that's what Stratford is. Blah, 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 Shakespeare. But it's... Everybody's pretending. And everybody, French people. A lot of tourists here in Stratford. United Kingdom. A great place to nap. Wednesday, 17th of May, 11.41 a.m. I'm eating oatmeal, but it's not oatmeal. It's called Oat So Simple. Quaker Oats makes it. The oat flakes are not oat flakes... They're oat crumbs, or an oat powder. I mean, add water, and you get oat goo. Oh, can't read this. This is directions from Tom's house to Arden's. Yep, I mean, there we go. Nope, blank pages. Wednesday, May 17th. Arden's again. <laughs> it's like of all the places we ate, it's it's Arden's in Kenilworth is is was our go-to place. I walked here all by myself. I'm a big boy. I asked for a large coffee and the barista paused and said, "Do you mean americano?" And I said, "Yeah, I guess." What's going on? Does no one make regular coffee? Just a cup of coffee. Everything's mochas, or espressos, or other rocket fuel. Have I been drinking Americanos this whole time? 
have I just gone up to the places and coffee shops and asked for a coffee and then they hear my voice and I'm like, oh, this Yank wants an Americano. Two men at the table next to me are talking about numbers and price points and investments and Manchester. We want to do 20 or 30. I'm not going to do an English accent or a British accent or UK accent or Midlands accent or however they sounded. They just said, we want to do 20 or 30 gyms. Papa John's 10%. Crack on. We can't know all the agents in the whole of UK. I walked around Abbey Fields today. History. Long grass. Raining. This notebook is wet. I should have stolen an umbrella before I left. Ruins. Castle. Really? A castle? UK. Stop doing exactly what I expected you to do. A sign. A sign is bolted to the side of a middle-aged structure. It says, do not climb on the monument. An information billboard says, in a polite way, that no one is 100% sure how old these structures are. Weird. Dude, wait, okay, wait, alright. If a Rover 75 was available with a longitudinal Ford 4.6 modular V8 driving the rear wheels, that means an LS3 or LS4 will fit. The, o the overhead valve modular has larger dimensions than an LS4. You could have a 300 horsepower and 380 pound-foot of torque rear-wheel drive stick shift Rover 75. Oh man, that would be that would oh, that would be a piss away YouTube money project. Ship over a Rover 75 under show and display laws. Shove an LS engine and Tremec gearbox in there. Ship it back to the UK and blow people's minds. Has this already been done? I don't know. Look this up. 2.24 p.m. I'm still at Arden's on the second floor. The percentage businessmen from Manchester men left. And I'm the only one here on the second floor. I'm looking out Arden's second story window. More people wear hooded rain jackets than carry umbrellas. Older women push upright covered shopping baskets with large wheels. Two younger Asian ladies huddle under a blue travel umbrella. The umbrella has pictures of small puffy clouds on it. A Jaguar saloon parks in the small lot next to Arden's. Compared to Peugeot's, Seat's, Renault's, and Matchbox Ford K.A.'s, the Jag is Herculean. Back home, it's just a Ford Taurus or a Nissan Maxima, but here it's big. An airliner hangs low in the cloud cover, moving slowly maybe descending into Birmingham Airport. The song playing on the cafe's PA asks me if I believe in magic, some sort of smooth jazz swing samba fusion song. Back home, there wouldn't be people just walking around on a rainy Wednesday. They would dash from their cars into the shops to stay dry. Here, folks walk slowly. Are they ignoring the rain? A man in a high-visibility vest pushes a hand truck carrying what looks like a large oxygen tank. It could be anything, really, propane, CO2, acetylene. But the thing is, he's wearing a baseball cap. He's wearing a baseball cap. He's the first guy I saw here wearing a baseball cap. Thursday, May, the dates don't matter. Sunday today and sunny. We're going to London today, and I'll find out if that city is more or less frightening than New York City. I've been awake for a few hours now, and everybody else is still asleep. I could have walked to Arden's again and been back easy. Yeah, but then you'd just be all wound up on Americano just in time to sit in a car for a few hours. Now we're on the drive to London. There's a lack of crossroads. No reassuring crosses when you leave the off-ramp. No. Here we go loop-de-loop. -loop. Here we go loop-de-la. M40. You accelerate by braking. We're approaching London. It smells like an airport here. Loads of diesel fumes. UK. Blinding cloudy days with the smell of cum trees and diesel. Stark gray Land Rover dealership. And the traffic crawls. I see a billboard for Injustice 2. And a Renault dealership with black and yellow flags. Renault, sorry. 
I see London Mobility Warehouse and power chairs sit on the top of the store's metal awning. I see motorcyclists split lanes through stop traffic, and Tom folds the Volvo mirrors in. I see a sign for a place called Clearview Homes. Buying land to build your future. 01923-840048. Clearviewhomes.co.uk I see a sign that says, Come sit stay at the Matthews Open Day. In my headphones plays Hell by Squirrel Nut Zippers. I see cranes rise over 1960s buildings. Tom told me to move my wallet from my rear pocket to my front pocket before we left for London. I am not in tourist mode. I am in survival mode. When I get out of this Volvo, I won't look about. My hand will stay on my pocketed wallet, and my eyes will stay steel cold. I see green steel buildings, and glass, and more motorbikes. I see a billboard, and on the billboard, Richard Branson holds his arms out and tells me to embrace my inner business. And I see we're leaving the elevated motorway. We're now down on surface streets and a scooter in front of us has a cargo box bolted to the pillion seat that says Uber Eats. I see the Westminster Council House under construction. I see a Thai massage place. I see that not all London taxicabs are black. I see some sort of combination Space Needle CN Tower, and I see the roads squeeze smaller. I see Portland Place, and a stiff military statue, and I see two guards with MP5s stand in front of the Chinese embassy. And I see a gee whiz. There's one of those electric cars. I see a row of scooters, and the row of scooters makes a Suzuki GS500, which is parked among them, look like a BMW GS1200. I see a British Bernie Sanders riding by on a bicycle. And I see the University of Westminster. Westminster. We are on, we are moving by an address that says 271 Regent Street, and uh, there's a surprising absence of trash. So far, no bums sleeping on the sidewalk. Also, hardly any police so far. Still on Regent Street. I see curving stone buildings and cement columns and archways, buildings. They're more organic here. There is no grid work of streets. We drive past Trafalgar Square, and people are piled up on that circular statue, like ants on a dropped Tootsie Roll. I see some sort of protest, or maybe celebration, with Iranian flags. And I see another protest or celebration. Someone is holding a sign that says, UN, stop protecting genocidal Sri Lanka. I don't know. And I hear God Save the Queen echoing through an unseen public address system. I see Westminster Abbey, and someone is playing bagpipes. I see Big Ben. Okay, I can say that I've saw it. Seen it. Huh, there's gold trim up at the top. Hmm. I see a street drummer playing on garbage cans and overturned chlorine buckets. I see the Thames, and I see people looking at it. I see a Ferris wheel. There it is. And I see tourists. And I see a fat Johnny Depp in Alice in Wonderland get-up. And I see London double-decker buses that have images of London on them. And I see some more glass buildings in the distance. And that butt-plug-looking building... <laughs> And I see the lug nuts on double-decker buses are pinned in. We're now in a place called Honest Burger, and it's 4.01 p.m. in Camden Market, London. I'm still in head-swivel survival mode. Left hand on my wallet, eyes on Tom or Kate at all times, because our phones don't work here, and if we get separated, I am fucked. So don't, don't let them out of your sight. I look hmm. I look at other things for one one thousandth of a second, 
and then it's back to Tom or Kate. Huh. This is my first burger since I've been here. Hmm. First London burg. There's a very Wildwood, New Jersey feeling here in Camden Market, and that's the only familiar part. A lot of, well, a lot of cheap stuff for sale. A lot of uh, people trying to attract you to their store. But unlike Wildwood, New Jersey, I hear more French than English here. So that's weird. You know, where are the cops? Seriously, where are the police? You know, you go to New York, you'll, you'll see LEOs every single block, and it's comforting that they're there, but... Do they, do they, do the police have regular beats here in London? Where are they? Maybe they're plain closed. Anyway, I'm safe at this wooden burger bar. In the UK, everything is served at a bar. Wait, we're in the largest city in the UK, and why is it so white? I mean, there are black people here, but they're, 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 they're like breakfast cereal toys. You gotta hunt for them. I mean, it's weird, but that's the... Wow. UK. Okay, I'm back home. Tom's house. Oh, can't read that. That's about a car. Can't read that. That's about a car. Can't read that. That's about a car. Oh, is that it? Is that all I wrote? Well, that's a weird note to go out on. All right. I think the biggest thing I, I, I take away from the UK is the slight embarrassment when I try to pay for things because it's all down to that we don't have the tap thing. And every single time I had to pay for something, the, the clerk had to search for a pen, right? And, and then their point-of-sale machines don't have the electronic signature pad on them. So it was like, oh, I got to search for a thing and I got to reach over. Every time I went to pay for something, it was a fiasco. And I never once held, uh, handled cash there. Never once looked at cash. Although someone did show the Roman how to make the queen happy and sad on one of the bills. But I really have to thank everyone. I have to thank uh, Tom Clark for being our... Uh, uh, Tom Clark, Kate Frost, and Dominic for being our, our three fixers. Without you guys, uh, this trip wouldn't have happened. It probably would have been in Brighton or something like that, and it would have been way more expensive, and we wouldn't have been able to do all the things we could have done. I mean, Tom had so many contacts. Kate had contacts. Dominic knew people. Dominic was the one who set us up uh, with uh, a airstrip. Turns out it was cheaper to rent an old RAF airfield than it was to get insurance for myself to drive a whole bunch of cars. So when you see the videos coming out, what you're going to see is uh, us on an airfield. Now, it was a very simple uh, single runway place, and uh, the owner uh, just had a talk with me before. He said, you know, no skidding, no, no burnouts, no do anything of that. So it, I kind of wanted to do that. But then again, these are other people's cars, and they're, they're a weird mix of things. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have done that anyway because I'm not a very good driver. But thank you so much for everybody who came out to the RCR meet. I hope you had fun. It was great meeting all of you guys. And uh, I, I, I don't have any video uh, from the RCR car meet, but the Roman does. So he'll have a whole separate video on his experience uh, in the UK. I think the biggest thing that... Uh, you know, the big thing that I miss about the UK now that I'm back is that walking places is socially acceptable. It's fine to walk. I mean, if I walk to the store around here, I like put my backpack on and walk to the store. And sometimes people give me looks like, what, you don't have a car? And I'm like, yeah, I got a car. Zzz. I have multiple cars. Well, why are you driving to the, why are you walking? Because it's right here. It's like, are you poor? No. So, maybe, maybe it's sort of a rural Pennsylvania thing. Like, if you're walking somewhere, there has to be a reason for you, like a practical reason for you to walk, versus just, well, I just want to walk to the store. I'm going to miss the, the very functional and utilitarian small cars there. Um, we, don't, we just plain old don't get them. And it's interesting really seeing that Honda Jazzes over in the UK are old people cars. 
Whereas here, they sold the Honda Fit, you know, same car, as kind of a hot hatch. I mean, and there are people who tune them here. Of course, we only got the one engine in the Honda Fit, which is, you know, the uh, close enough, the 1.5 liter petrol versus, versus in the UK, you got diesel, you got like a one liter petrol and all these other teeny weeny itsy bitsy motors. And we have a 1.5 uh, uh, four cam, although it has a single jingle. So <sighs> I really miss that Peugeot 206. <laughs> you know, people are like, why do you like this? And it's like, ama- it's like amazing. I daily something like that over here, but I got to wait a quite a while uh, before something like that becomes legal and who knows how many of them are going to be left. Anyway, so this has been my impressions of RCR UK. There'll be more stuff as the proper reviews come out. I hope you like them and see you next week. Bye. I've never been out of the country before, except for a brief trip to Niagara Falls in Canada when I was nine. There's a certain anxiety that pairs with airport officials, even when traveling domestically. But the disquiet escalates when some guy is playing a literal game of papers please with my life. He asks who I'm here to see. I say my pal Tom, and they ask how I know this man. I tell the truth. I know him from the internet. He's a musician. We exchange the emails online. I like his music. We both like cars. He offered to show me around. The attendant asks if I'm in a relationship with this person, and I laugh and I tell her no. We're just friends, diffusing a bomb that isn't live. She asks for my profession, and I tell her I'm a writer, and that I'm actually here with the guy who's signing in at the booth next door. She laughs and says we really should have gone to the same booth together. I make mental note for next time, while getting over the cognitive dissonance that there could even possibly be a next time. The lady welcomes me to her fine country, in an accent I would later learn was of Birmingham extraction. On the ride back to Tom's, rain insists upon the windshield, and I discover the extent to which this country is surveilled. Cameras everywhere. The lanes end more abruptly than no country for old men. I don't know how anyone manages these motorways without developing ulcers from the stress of it all. The closer you get to civilization, the less margin for error in your movements, as cars crowd together in a chaos of orderly movement. We arrive at Tom and Kate's, and I'm shown my room. It's cleaner and more cozy than many hotels I've stayed in. My head hits the pillow, and sweet lady jet lag makes her introduction. It's 10 a.m. Monday. When I get up to take a leak, it's midnight. I put on the Jim Cornette experience and go back to sleep. Ric Flair judges a queefing contest between two groupies, and the night drains of color. Stories about Smoky Mountain wrestling weave their way into my dreams, and I wake up hating Tim Horner. The days blend together, and the weather reminds me of home in the autumn, a briskness and moisture that exists independent of any rain. It's sunny and overcast in equal measure. It's like Pennsylvania, but it doesn't smell like horse manure or mushroom farms half the time. Liberating warmth and unseasonal coolness are brothers sharing a crowded bedroom. It's a layer cake of climate change, a baked Alaska with its own monarch. The next day, Mr. Regular offers that we walk to a cafe. The nearest is a half hour of walking, which is fine by me. I want to see the town. I want to see movement. The cars on the streets the children in their schoolyards with the teachers in reflective vests, for reasons I'm too famished to comprehend. It's the early morning, and I sample the television before leaving, as if I don't obsessively watch enough British television back home. Dr. Foster, Dr. Who, Broadchurch, The Paradise, Father Brown, Top Gear, Tonight at the London Palladium. I'm a man of exceedingly random taste. I flip through the channels hoping to engage with the absurdity of Eurovision for the first time, but I find myself watching the Jeremy Kyle show. I know it's probably no better than Maury Povich, but trash TV seems less trashy in the Queen's English. Google Maps sets us on our path to the cafe. There's an open mic scheduled for the nearby pub. I consider playing it, but feel like this place would probably expect a higher class of musician. A milk truck sits open on the street, empty bottles waiting to be filled. The town is quiet, but dense with the business of living. We make it to the cafe. A little girl is singing some nonsense song she made up, as her mother orders something hot and complicated. All children are songwriters. I order a sandwich and a pot of peppermint tea. I've never been able to turn a head just by opening my mouth before, and it's too great a responsibility. The barista balks when I mention possibly getting honey with my pot of tea. What unwritten rules am I breaking? What don't I know? What am I doing wrong other than... everything? And when will I learn to stop being so dramatic? 
We sit down with our order numbers at the table. Our waitress is a teenager. She has braces and an eager smile. She's amused to find Americans here, in what she perceives as the middle of scenic nowhere. I wonder if we present as American without opening our mouths. I have observations I want to make to Mr. Regular, but the risk of being overheard in an American accent is too high. The waitress explains to us that she's been to Miami, and I apologize by reflex, although I'm sure Miami can be a lovely place. But it's not here. I'm in love with here. The quiet and the welcome. Every man to himself. His business his own. We explore the town and discover a stunning lack of refuse. Engines sound different here. Perhaps due to the fuel? I don't know. There's more of a low thrum embedded inside a higher-pitched whine. I can't explain it. It sputters and flows like the half-finished work of a plumber. There are no screen doors or screens on the windows, and I guess they're up there with all the other things people don't use anymore, like 1-800-COLLECT and the phrase chillax. Were there ever screen doors to begin with? Or is that just an American thing? After about a half hour of walking, we come across the first bit of graffiti, the phrase millionaire goth boys written in black. The paint isn't running, and the writing is legible and literate. I'm impressed even though I have no idea who these people are, or why they've chosen a name that sounds like a late 90s screamo act. But then, everything could be a band name if you try hard enough. I expect that some hipsters will start a band called Portion Control. I don't know what their genre would be, but I imagine it'd be something with the prefix POST. The sun rises and sets, but it feels as though everything is happening later. The mornings feel longer, and the evenings are bright with beer and the absent attention of house cats. We're halfway through the first week when we finally start shooting. We rent out an airfield to do our godless business. The shooting days are filled with conversation about the differences we've noticed since arriving here. For one, cigarette packages judge you for smoking. Not that I smoke or care if anyone else does, but I'm met with a diseased lung at every turn, staring me in the face like a tar-colored verdict. I note that the Facebook notification globe apparently changes based on your location on the planet, which I recognized after arriving back at Tom and Kate's on Tuesday. It impressed me far more than it really should have, but... Again, I'm a simple man, and given to easy astonishment. I take down information from Paul, one of the volunteers with the Japanese import we haven't done before. He asks how I've enjoyed my stay so far, and I talk his ear off about the quotidian wonders that impress a guy like me. The architecture, the oblong order of the roadways, the talk radio, the patience of strangers when it comes to a yank like me. I tell Paul that I expected the Queen to be on some of the money, but not all of it. I hope it doesn't come out as judgmental towards the monarchy, although I'm not entirely sure whether it would even be received negatively or not. I simply don't know, one way or the other. I snap a picture behind the wheel of this import, and I hope Paul doesn't think I'm as big of a tool as I think I'm being. But I can't help it. I left my sense of Taurus dignity on the airplane. I prepare to hop in the back of the Abarth we're using as a makeshift camera car, to perform my role as the cameraman for the chase shots. Mr. Regular has already situated himself back there to get a feel for the room. The trunk hatch is open, and it's not as if he can easily get out, and I probably wouldn't have fit anywhere near as comfortably, even with all the seats down. So Mr. Regular opts to stay put, and he's the one filming the sequence as I get more notes from the other two volunteers in attendance. Both shooting days are like this. Three volunteers, four hours, sunshine with intermittent bouts of rain. Nothing that requires a heavy umbrella. We go to the same pub after both shoots, a quaint little place that has Guinness, Old Speckled Hen, and Stella on tap, and nothing else. I have a fistful of foreign currency and a stomach yearning to swell with hearty meats and heavy ales. I'm met with a judgmental eye from a man who looks like a 31-year-old StarCraft enthusiast that still uses leet speak. There are rules, and no one is telling me I'm breaking them. They expect me just to know, as any good and decent person would. I'm not as talkative at dinner as I would like, and I don't know why. A certain fogginess is setting in with the beef and ale pie. I become introverted. It's not that I don't like people, it's just that I have a boner for solitude. I go to take out some money for another round, but the ATM is busted, robbed of its purpose. Like a girl who's prepared to be mad at her boyfriend for the next week over some slight... But then he apologizes. Now that anger has nowhere to go, and it becomes waste like so much dead skin. I consider moving to Essex to open a pub called The Air Presumptive. I lose track of the days. 
I Skype with my family. We're a close family, and I miss them as much as any man can miss nephews and siblings. Mother, grandmother, and niece. The routine of everything you left behind. I recognize I'm going to feel a similar longing for this place once I'm back home. I feel it now. Every day a different pub, with different welcoming faces, and beautiful buildings of rustic quality. On roadways devoid of the aggression and impatience of southeastern Pennsylvania. Tom and Kate take us to a chip shop, and we shoot a quick video of our experience. I'm convinced fish and chips is the apex of what we can accomplish as a species. How the cod stays so flaky is beyond me. We regularly mess this up back home. Hours later, the British food runs riot on my body. I find the nearest bathroom to have it out with the porcelain decider. The weekend arrives. The bank has frozen my card. I explained to them before leaving that I would be here, but someone didn't get the memo. Luckily, I took out enough money to last the trip, but I don't like the feeling of being divorced from my finances. So Tom drives me to the bank. He's genuinely one of the nicest, most down-to-earth people I've ever had the privilege of knowing. I tell him about how I've struggled with anxiety since I was a kid, and how it's kind of insane that I'm even here at all. He tells me the story of his proposal to his fiancée, a woman who's wonderful in her own right, and whose warmth and patience helped put me at ease about all the faux pas I thought I was making in that first week. Tom tells me about going toe-to-toe with a vindictive music journalist over a spitefully written article that had nothing to do with his band's music. My admiration for Tom grows, and I'd like to think I'd be able to stand firm like that myself, but I let most of the lousy things written about me go unanswered. After all, what's the point of engaging, you know? It seems unfair to all the people who write lovely things that go unanswered. Why should only the jerks get a reply? Why should the negative comments have more weight than the positive ones that outnumber them? And what would I even say, anyway? Only the work can change a person's mind. So I clutch my notebook in the passenger seat, hoping the Iacocca documentary will turn out well. Government-funded radio rehashes debatable talking points. There's respectful back and forth, with none of the overlapping, antagonistic rabble of political talk shows back home. There are radio dramas about mundane things, like an uncle teaching his Ed Sheeran-obsessed niece how to drive. They call it The Archers. It's low-stakes drama, but I ask Tom to turn up the volume anyway. I keep expecting something awful to happen to the uncle and his niece, but the sword of Damocles never falls. It's life. It's engagingly mundane. Virtually nothing happens. If this were a movie, it'd probably win all the Oscars. Back at the house, I work on the Iacocca documentary while Tom, Kate, and Mr. Regular watch Ex Machina. I've seen it already, but I end up getting sucked in again anyway. Progress stalls. The next night, after filming some point-of-view videos, I get roped into a reality dating show Tom and Kate are watching. It's set in a hotel, and nobody seems particularly well-matched, although Tom assures me this show has led to marriages and children. By the end of the first episode, I'm desperate for more. From a sociological level, it's fascinating. Watching first dates on Channel 4 is like watching a BBC documentary on the mating habits of the serial monogamist. The weekend arrives without my realizing it. Mr. Regular announces an RCR car meet after we spend Saturday scouting locations. We find a quaint park that will work for keeping things inconspicuous. He announces the meet only on Twitter in order to keep attendance to a manageable level. We're lucky to find that we're not the only ones occupying this place. Nobody pays us any mind because there's a swap meet already going on, in addition to some other random enterprise that involves a marching band and people dressed as Spartan soldiers. Some of the fans in attendance are annoyed that England is doing exactly what Americans would expect England to do. They don't know that this isn't a bad thing to me. The UK has always been a bucket list location for me, and people would always look at me strangely when I'd tell them so. I'm not even entirely sure how to explain it, but I have some weird kind of nostalgia for this place I've never been. Like I'm remembering some half-lived life I never got to finish. Maybe it'll change as time goes on, but for now, Coventry is a delight. Fans bear all manner of charming gifts, from a mini pork pie to a personalized keychain made to resemble our Moto Loot merch. Harry is one of the first guys I meet, and I'm instantly put at ease by how relaxed everyone is. Not that I expected anyone would be nervous. I mean, who am I anyway? I'm just some guy who's out of his depth in a place he's never been. But I feel less like these people are strangers, and more like they're distant college acquaintances I haven't seen in a while. And this is a good thing, especially when you're a guy prone to anxiety. 
Mom Depoby invites us to dinner with her beautiful family, and I take down her number with the hopes I'll be able to use it, especially since she offered to take us to Buckingham Palace. But part of me knows our schedule won't align. I wish I could tell her how much that offer meant to me now. Rich shows me how to crease a 20-pound note to make the Queen smile and frown, and this is endlessly amusing to me. So, yeah, he's just basically folded it, so you've got a fold on both eyes, then another fold on the nose, and then you can make her really happy. And then you can make her really angry. <laughs> Perry plays American football, and we chat about that for a bit before returning our attention to his car. His enthusiasm for cars is infectious, and it's something I generally find really endearing about the UK. Maybe not every man is driving his dream car, but everyone has this intrinsic respect for what they're driving, at the very least. And best case scenario, you get guys who are just as anxious to tell you about their car as you are to hear about them. It's kind of interesting that I had these sorts of conversations with just about everyone there. Guys like Gaz, who was really polite about asking Mr. Regular and myself to sign his sun visor. Or Violet, who showed off some vintage Land Rovers that I would have desperately loved to have taken on the road. I mean, good lord, they were so beautifully lived in. Like a Millennium Falcon, but terrestrial. I keep hoping I'm not disappointing anybody. It's not that I don't like people. It's just that I have a boner for solitude. People like Violet and Perry and Harry and Mandy Poby were so cool to talk to, even if only briefly. We gather around a Suzuki Cappuccino, which is about three quarters of the size of an MX-5. I've never seen one before, much less up close like this, but I want one, mostly because I have nothing exotic enough to show off at a Cars and Coffee. A young fan with a camera around his neck snaps a photo as I turn to meet his gaze. It was purely an accident of timing, but I hope he doesn't think I mind him taking pictures of me. We're all here to record moments for posterity. All manner of makes and models are represented here, and the weather manages to hold for the most part. I'm amazed at how well everyone is getting along. No crazy antics, no arguments about this or that being superior to something else. I wonder if any friendships are being formed out of this meet. I wonder if any of these people will keep in touch. I don't think anything would delight me more than to bring people together in the name of a silly YouTube show. I wonder if that feeling of surrealness will ever subside. I wonder how actual famous people do it. I wonder if people listening will think, man, we need to get these guys laid. And I wonder how often I'll use the phrase, I wonder, in this diary. Matt snaps a photo of the entire gang at the meet, at least those still around by the end of it. I feel bad that Matt doesn't get to be in it. Maybe he knows someone good with Photoshop who can sneak him in. Or maybe it only matters to him that he was there. A guy named Nick politely asks if he can grab a photo. Jack's girlfriend, Jessie, takes a picture of me squatting and doing the vape niche pose. I can't believe the weather held as nicely as it has. I keep expecting there to be some catch to all this. I like these people. I like this place. My boner for solitude is going flaccid. We shoot some more point-of-view videos over the next week, including a bit with a Rolls-Royce Wraith and a Citroen 2CV. I figure six cars is too brief a season for the UK, so I ask Mr. Regular if we can turn the 2CV into a full review, only shot gorilla style with just GoPros. I have more footage than either of us would realistically need anyway, so might as well put it to use. The 2CV is a delightful little thing, albeit so loud while driving that you have to shout to be heard, despite being packed in more tightly than a Bonnaroo blunt. The Rolls-Royce Wraith is more spacious and a much smoother ride, although you could argue the 2CV has more character to her. I suppose it's all about perception and what each person brings to the car. The point-of-view drives go by fast, and we find ourselves with free time, visiting Shakespeare's house and standing in crowded plazas where tourists seek sanitized authenticity. Because tourists want the real thing, but they want it romanticized. There's something to be said for shameless tourism, but I'm not entirely sure there's any other way to really enjoy yourself in a new place. My pride is about the size of a cashew anyway, so I left that shit on the plane because it'd just get in the way, come London. Naturally, Tom was nice enough to offer to drive us to London without either of us ever mentioning word one about the place. Of course, I had been desperate to ask about going to London since landing in Manchester, like I had blue balls and London was the only place I could nut. We were on the road close to three hours, not because it was a three-hour journey, but because traffic was its own nightmare. But hey, we still got to see all the sights. 10 Downing Street, Big Ben, the Houses of Parliament, Westminster Abbey, the Abraham Lincoln statue out in front, or the giant elongated thumb nearby. There were dueling protests, 
or perhaps they were in tandem. I can't pretend to know the machinery of public discourse in a foreign land. Piccadilly Circus teemed with life, and featured the first streets that looked anything like home, with its homeless denizens with passive signs asking for consideration, the world a vast and speculative system, deep with empathy but short on pocket change. A man in a three-piece business suit casually walks past a gruff-looking vagrant in search of change. The man's dog sits atop a throne of rolled-up sleeping bags, a faraway gaze in his eyes. In my tireless cynicism, I wonder if the dog is part of the grift. I hate being cynical. It feels like part of a genetic condition people would rather not talk about, like a bad heart or a small dick. I feel like I'm annoying everyone with my endless photo snapping, but I can't help it. This is just who I am. I want to see everything. I want to capture everything, to seize and store it for posterity in case the opportunity never comes again, to relive it in miniature, to reminisce, to place it somewhere for others to know how far I've come, not just geographically, but psychologically as well. There's an ocean between me and my home, where the memory of struggling to go anywhere at all wasn't so distant, when the crush of anxiety wasn't so much a stranger as a co-worker, creeping into the break room and swiping the clearly labeled bag of self-reliance. We arrive at the Camden Markets. It's the kind of place Dickens might have written about if he were around today, a place equal parts transient and perpetual as the concept of commerce itself. I snap a photo of a mannequin that looks like my friend John from back home. The shopkeep doesn't want me taking photos, and I can't blame him. He's probably used to people like me. So I move along and end up in a hat shop. Nothing fits because my head is uncharacteristically huge, not from ego, but from biology. It's a trait of my family, to be cut out of our mother, and to have our heads weighed to make sure death wasn't in our immediate future. We go to an auto museum sometime later. I should have done a better job keeping track of the days, but I'm careless and drowning in allergies. As we wander through the museum, I wonder what it would be like to live in an age of wood-framed cars and picket lines. I rediscover my love for the MG. Any MG. I'd like to reiterate that I'm an exceedingly simple man. I want an MG more than I want to play Survivor. I want an MG more than a time machine that allows me to relive my greatest hits. Because those days are gone. But I can forge new paths. I could still live something fresh on the open road in an MG. Forget who I am. Forget what I'm supposed to be doing. But also remember that, yeah, I'm the Roman. And to a lot of people, at least more than I ever thought there would be in a hundred million years, that means something. I have friends in two countries. People who kind of, sort of, somewhat respect me in two countries. People who shook my hand because they wanted to. Bought me a pint because I made them laugh. Made them think. Made them forget. And I didn't do that alone. I never could have. Mr. Regular is the Shawn Michaels, and I'm the Marty Jannetty, and that's fine by me. I'm still a part of something that had meaning to someone. I can't pretend to be an important person, or even a well-liked person, but I really didn't know work could be rewarding before this. I slept on the plane ride home, remembering the goodbyes, remembering Kate telling us we were always welcome, remembering Tom shaking my hand, and bringing it in, and thinking to myself, this is my friend, and not, this is a man with his own Wikipedia page. Remembering Kate giving one last farewell. Goodbye, Nick. And a hug. Not everyone in the world gets to feel welcome, feel safe, feel assured in the places they go or the choices they make. And it's mostly because life is weighed on a risk-reward scale, where life doesn't exactly reward high-risk behavior. There really is no reason this UK trip should have gone as well as it did, but for Tom and Kate, and for the wonderful volunteers who offered their cars, their gear, and their time. For the fans who came to see us, and to see the cars in attendance. I feel lucky in this regard. I feel lucky in every regard. I really wish I knew how to express what this trip meant, but I know no other way but to say thank you. Goodbye, UK. I miss you already, and I hope to see you again someday.